vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Staffing levels and diversity, technology spending, and succession planning. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Everyday Wealth. With award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Presented by Edelman Financial Engines. Ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here are Gene Chatsky and Soledad O'Brien. Hi, everyone. I'm Gene Chatsky. And I'm Soledad O'Brien. And you are listening to Everyday Wealth. We've got a great show this week. We're going to be talking about financial planning for families uh, where someone in the family has special needs. This came to us from a listener who wrote to us, John, from San Ramon, California. And he just asked us, can you cover these issues because it's of importance to him and I think to so many other people too. Yeah, and it's a great reminder that if you have any questions that you'd like answered on our show, just go to everydaywealth.com, drop us a line if there's any topics that you would like us to cover. And then later, we'll start the conversation about Social Security. That's a conversation we're going to want to continue to discuss on future shows. But first... Let's get right to the markets and financial news. And it was a busy week. First, that jobs number, which basically blew the roof off all the estimates, including estimates from some really big Wall Street firms. We added about 500,000 jobs to the economy last month. And what was also interesting was that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which basically runs these numbers, went back and revised the estimates from the two previous months, saying we added a total of 700,000 additional jobs. And based on this release of jobs, a lot of dominoes are going to fall, right? The Federal Reserve is going to move. They're definitely going to move in March. Interest rates are going to go up. That interest rate picture is going to take a toll on stocks eventually, because this is the reason that the Federal Reserve is doing this, inflation will start to come down. Another thing that will happen based on all of these dominoes is when interest rates go up, we're starting to get an indication, and this is always really frustrating to me, that we will feel the interest rate hike, of course, in our credit cards. The banks will not hesitate <laughs> to just what? raise those short-term no. interest. Yes, what? your variable rate credit cards, you are going to pay more for them. But what we're hearing is that we're not going to actually see a bump in return of high-yield savings or savings accounts, which for people who've been waiting for their CDs to start paying a little bit more is a bit of a frustration. They're going to keep waiting. They can just keep waiting. They can absolutely keep waiting. Soledad, let's talk about caring for children with special needs. John, one of our listeners from San Ramon, California, wrote in and said, hey, could you talk about special needs when it comes to their finances? This is something that so many people go through. Nearly 9 million American families are actively caring for children with special needs at any time. A woman named Emily Kingsley wrote a very famous essay called Welcome to Holland, and it was all about her experience having a special needs child. She said, and I'm going to misquote, but I think I'm going to get the essence right. She said, it's like planning a trip 
to Italy, but you get off the plane and you're somewhere that you never expected. And it might be a wonderful adventure overall, but you still feel like you're in Never Never Land. And when it comes to having a special needs child, I think that's particularly true when it comes to the finances. Yeah, absolutely. And some of that is, I mean, I I went through this with my older sister whose son is autistic, right? You sort of have step one is you get the diagnosis. And it's kind of a day-to-day, month-to-month, you know, year-to-year. Like, okay, how do we get through? What does this child need? And then, of course, financially, what are all those costs that are associated with this? Um, that's hugely, you know, challenging. And then, of course, you know, this child is likely to outlive me and not necessarily ever be able to live on their own. And what does that financially mean? How do you structure your wealth to be able to to help your your kid navigate? I was surprised to see the statistic that 26% of adults in the U.S. have some kind of disability. If I had, had to guess, I would have put that number a little bit lower. And the cost can be astronomical. When we look at the cost of raising a child to age 18, it's roughly a quarter million dollars. That's a child without special needs. That's a, a number from the USDA, the Department of Agriculture. I think that number is way off. I don't know where they pulled that number out of. That well, sounds crazy. Well, it doesn't crazy. include college, right? But even even just food. I mean, <laughs> like, it's, right, clothing them, food, housing. I mean, I don't know. I uh. All right, all right. But throw special needs into the picture, and we're looking at a number that can be 10 times that high. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, certainly for my sister, right, once there was a diagnosis for her son, then you go into full parent mode, right? Mm-hmm. You've got therapy. So, you know, occupational therapy can cost you literally $10,000 or more, depending on what part of the country you're living in. And also, how do you get there? For a lot of people, it's not particularly close to where they live. And so there's additional costs of just transportation, even before you get to the cost of the therapy. And then there's, of course, behavioral therapy, which is in $10,000 or more or less. There's life skills therapy as the kids get older, and they're trying to figure out how to get them to live in sometimes group homes private school, if that's the direction that someone goes for a lot of kids, they can't be in public schools, um, becomes very challenging. And then there's making sure that your own finances are shored up so that you can be there to take care of this child. My brother has a son with autism, and it means you got to have your budget locked. You have to make sure that your emergency fund is in place. you got to make sure that if you need to or you have a spouse who's going to step back from the workforce, that the other income can cover it. you got to look at disability insurance and long-term care insurance. There are so many pieces and to just put paying in place. for the caregivers which is expensive plus remember the rate of divorce among people who have a special needs kid is higher becomes very very challenging so sometimes you're doing all of that and taking on that massive expense at the same exact time that the family income takes a dive we're really fortunate we've got rodney weaver he's director of estate planning at edelman financial engines he's been in the trenches with people for two decades helping them helping their families with their estate planning needs and he helps real people with these real problems so rodney walk us through how you work with a planner So planners will bring me into the conversation when they have a specific question and they want me to speak with a client. I'm always very upfront when I'm speaking with a client to let them know that 
I'm an educational resource for our planners here, and I can have an open-ended conversation about their estate planning questions, um, in this case specifically about their special needs questions, and I can give them all of the educational resources and information that I have, and that can really set them up to take the next step which is usually going and speaking with their own estate planning attorney. How do you know where to start with families who all of a sudden are faced with a situation that they just didn't expect during their pregnancy? It's a great question, Jean. Um, Really, when I start speaking with a client who comes to me with a child with special needs, I know immediately that they need very specific planning for the long term. Depending on the age of the child, it can be difficult to truly understand whether or not that individual is going to be able to live independently long term. So parents, especially for minors, they really need to put a plan in place to protect against the possibility that something happens to the parents and now all of their wealth is going to transfer to an individual who may not be able to care and manage that money. And it's complicated because if that wealth transfers to the individual, often you face the loss of really important benefits from the government. So you can't put too much money into the hands of these kids. I know that a very important piece of paper is something called a special needs trust. Can you explain that? Exactly. And usually you don't want to put any money in the hands of an individual with special needs. And that's simply because they are going to lose their governmental benefits if they have income or assets above certain thresholds. And usually that threshold is about $2,000. So instead of giving anything directly to the beneficiary, all of the parent's wealth is directed to that special needs trust. And the key with a special needs trust is that there is a restriction placed on the trustee that the trustee is um, able to use the assets in the trust for the benefit of the special needs beneficiary, but the trustee cannot use those funds in a way that would make that special needs trust beneficiary ineligible from receiving the governmental benefits that they would otherwise be eligible to receive. We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll talk more about the financial planning for families with special needs. Stay with us. What do you want to leave to the ones you love? What will your legacy be? At Edelman Financial Engines, we'll help you create a strategy for keeping your wealth in the family. Call 833-PLAN-EFE to connect to a planner near you. Welcome back to Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. Thanks for joining us. We're back with you on Everyday Wealth. Let's get right back into this conversation, Soledad. So, Rodney, what are the benefits that the government will give to kids who have special needs? Usually there's some sort of income. Usually this is supplemental security income that the beneficiary is able to receive, but also even more important often than the income is some sort of Medicaid benefits, which is where the beneficiary is receiving some form of medical coverage. Receiving those 
is created for that beneficiary. That makes a lot of sense. I know for my sister, we were talking about um, my sister uh, has a son who's autistic, and I think once she fully understood the the diagnosis for her child, right, the big panic becomes, oh, my goodness, this child is going to outlive me. The special needs trust that we have been talking about, Rodney, is just one part of this plan, right? There are other elements that we know have to be in place, and they're even more important when your child has special needs. Can you just quickly take us through those? Sure. So the special needs trust is simply going to take care of the assets that the parents leave behind. The other aspect that the parents really want to give some consideration to is whether or not that beneficiary is going to be able to make decisions for themselves over the rest of their lifetime. Usually, a parent is making a lot of financial and other decisions on behalf of their special needs child. But once that individual turns 18 in most states, they're considered legal adults. And in many instances, they are able to make their own medical decisions and they're able to make their own financial decisions unless they've been adjudicated to be unable to make those decisions. This is sort of a struggle that a lot of parents don't think about. A lot of special needs beneficiaries are able to make decisions for themselves, but some can't. And if there aren't legal documents in place, then if the parents pass away who have been making these decisions for that child's lifetime, the ability to make those decisions will actually fall to the special needs beneficiary, special needs individual, who probably shouldn't be making those decisions, but legally they will be able to. I can see that becoming a giant mess, right? If the kid is over the age of 18 and you haven't planned for that, if you haven't created a will, if you haven't had a guardian, if you haven't done those things and your child turns 18, suddenly you legally, I would imagine, lose the ability to help that kid navigate. Obviously, that can be very complicated and messy and require lawyers if you don't set it up the right way for a kid who needs to have all these structures in place. Rodney, so helpful. I hope that we can call on you again, yes? (laughs) Absolutely. I'd love to join you again. All right. Thank Thank you you for being with us. Thanks for having me. What I see with my brother is that there's this dance, right? You're trying to make sure that the legal framework is in place, but you're also trying to make sure that the financial framework Mm. is in place. He works with an advisor who helps him with that because when there's a child who will always need support, it just is much, much, much more complicated. Joining us now is Jen Staben. She is an Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner out of Sacramento, or SACTO, as I'm told we <laughs> that's call what it. The, that's what the cool people say. So <laughs> how long have you been a financial planner? How did you get into financial planning? Oh, geez. So I've been in this role for about four years, but I have been in the financial services industry for about 12 years now. First Toe Dip was a job working for a financial advisor. From there, I worked in banking, private client banking, business banking, stockbroker, and now I have the luxury of getting to help clients. It's great. What do you like about it? Oh, I get to help. I get to help. That's what I always said I wanted to do. I was going to school to teach. I joke with my clients and say, I want you to be so educated that if someone else comes along and tries to sell you something, you can say, you know what? Jen already told me about that. I'm good. I've got Jen. Leave me alone. So that's my mission is to educate, educate, educate.
I'm so curious how you and Rodney work together as a team because you're dealing face to face with the clients and he's mm -hmm. he's the resource. Correct. Yes. Rodney is actually part of a team of resources and specialists that as a planner, I have at my fingertips. Um, I bring Rodney and his team into the situation whenever appropriate. He's a resource that we can run things by and he can point us in the right direction. So it's really nice to have him in my back pocket when I'm dealing with clients, especially those that have clients with special needs. Let's say I just had a baby, mm -hmm. right? I know that this child has special needs. Go. First of all, I mean, the, the emotional part, um, typically it's, it's not finding out when you're pregnant. It's finding out after the child is born, a few years after the child is born, when you start to notice things, if we're going down the autism route, which is what we were talking about earlier. Do you focus on the parent or do you focus on I the focus kid? on the parent. Absolutely on the parent because my role is to make sure that my client is set up correctly and is taking advantage of all of the programs that are out there. Legally is putting together everything that they need to do so they're protected, so the child is protected. Uh, there's a lot that goes into making sure that someone is set up correctly financially, period. But bring in a special needs child, then we really need to go deeper. We laid out the cost of having a special needs child before, mm -hmm. that it can be 10 times the cost of raising a child without special needs to age 18. And as Soledad pointed out, that cost is dubious at a quarter million dollars. We think it could be considerably higher, but we're talking about $2 million plus. Jen agrees with me, by the way, yes, on I, that. I, I have a couple of millennials, so, so yes. Yeah, so if your child, it's a lot of money. What does that do to a, a retirement plan? Well, if they have not done their retirement planning, then the special needs planning is not done. I can guarantee you that. So when it comes to financial planning, I call it a financial puzzle. We're going to put all the pieces of your puzzle together. We're going to find, are there any areas that you missed? I don't care how savvy somebody is or how much they think they know. There are always places where coming to a financial planner, a wealth planner, um, like one, one of my colleagues at EFE, um, anytime that someone comes to me and tells me their emotional situation with their children, money's tied to that. So the idea of making sure that a client is okay and secure, no matter what happens in the market, in their lives, et cetera, then we can move on to saying, okay, what happens when you're gone? What happens for your children when you're gone? So step one is the here and now. How Perfect. do we deal with all the expenses? I laid out some of the costs for therapies. I mean, and the numbers are just off the charts. But also some of the numbers I didn't lay out, right, is how does the caregiver care for themselves? And then the second part that you focus on is here's what the future looks like and here's how you need to think about planning for the future. Absolutely. I mean, I, I work with clients. In fact, a client came to me saying, I have the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. Mm. First question was, do you have a trust? That's the first thing that I asked her. And then she said, I also have a son that has special needs. So, of course, the first thing we did was get her connected with an estate planning attorney, um, made sure she also had power of attorney. We were very close with her family now because the moment we put this trust in place, she went into a facility 
within two weeks, her care was bumped up to the next level. And she actually came to us through one of our free retirement offers. If you call us before Tuesday at 10 p.m. at 1-833-PLAN-EFE or go to planefe.com, you can actually have a free retirement review, too. And we can check out and see if maybe there's some gaps in your plan. What is that exactly? That is taking a a pulse check on where you are right now, making sure that the goals that you say you have, that you actually have a plan to get there. And we break it down into little steps, obviously, depending on where someone is in their life. So you can help people who come in and say, you know, I want to retire, but I'm not really sure with my financial picture as it is what my age is going to be when I can retire. Is that what you can help them with? I tell clients, what does your retirement look like? That's the first question that I ask them. Imagine yourself retired. What does that look like? And then what are you doing to get there? And let's see if we can really make that happen and if it's feasible. A very important piece of retirement for people is Social Security. It it provides a lot of support for people in retirement. We know we shouldn't count on it to provide everything, but factoring it in is something that we all need to understand how to do. And so hang with us, Jen. We're going to dig into that when we come right back. More with award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and personal finance expert Gene Chatsky when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Everyday Wealth. I'm Soledad O'Brien, along with Jean Chatsky. Jen Staben is joining us. She's an Edelman Financial Engines wealth planner from Sacramento, California, one of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. I love California. We're talking about Social Security, and I think there are so many questions. Social Security is very complicated, and one reason is because I think there's a consistent news cycle that says it's running out of money. You're going to have none when you go to collect on your Social Security. Okay, can we just stop right there? Yes, please. Yes, because (laughs) there is a report. It comes out regularly on the health of what's called the Social Security Trust Fund. And the latest version of this report, which actually just came out, it's saying that the Social Security Trust Fund is projected to be exhausted by the year 2034. That's a year earlier than was anticipated. You can blame COVID for that. What does exhausted mean? Exhausted does not mean it vanishes. What this means is that If nothing is done by the government before the year 2034, and by the way, I believe the government will do something because I think if it doesn't, we will just have riots in the street. But if the government does nothing, you can expect that you're going to get about three quarters of the Social Security benefits that you were previously promised. What I think will happen in all likelihood is the government says, hey, we're going to make the full retirement age a year or two older. But they've got to do something to either cut benefits, which that would actually do, or raise revenue. But people shouldn't panic and think, oh, my God, I'm going to get no money. And, Jen, maybe you can weigh in on this. The workaround is that if the trust fund is depleted and Social Security is going to pay you less than you are told on that Social Security statement that everybody should be checking at socialsecurity.gov, you got to save more. That's the answer. Absolutely. Well, Social Security wasn't really designed to replace income. It's a supplement to what you're doing yourself. 
And I always joke with clients and say, I'm, I tell my dad, you're welcome, because the money that he's getting right now is coming out of all of our paychecks. And I do have a lot of clients that come in and, and say, well, I heard Social Security is going to be gone. So I'm so glad that we're addressing this. It's not that it's going to be gone. It just may be less. So that just puts more pressure on you to plan for yourself and to save for yourself. So Social Security is part of your retirement strategy, a small part. It shouldn't be a large part. But if you look at your statement, yes. what you're going to see is basically how your benefits are being calculated. It's, mm -hmm. it's a record of your earnings history. It's a number of Social Security credits that you've accumulated. And it's a formula, basically, that benefits are calculated based on your top 35 years worth of earnings. And you know, just to reflect back on the discussion that we were having about caring for special needs kids, if you have to take a break from the workforce for any reason. You're not just losing salary and extra money kicked into your 401k. You're losing Social Security credits as well. And that's something that people need to take into consideration. Especially if their spouse is planning on taking some Social Security based off of the work history of the other spouse. The way that I like to frame it is I use June and Ward Cleaver, where, you know, back in the day, June didn't work. So her Social Security was based off of Ward's work history. Right. Right. And if Ward can't work, then that is a sacrifice for the entire family. So what are the conversations you're having with clients who come and talk to you? Are they trying to figure out what their picture is going to look like, what their payout, what their benefit will likely be from Social Security? Or is that tied into the retirement conversation around what they're going to need to retire? Well, it's yes to both. I'm, they're coming in saying, this is my, this is what I'm supposed to get from Social Security. First of all, will it be there? Uh, I don't want to count on it. And then the conversation becomes, well, what are you going to do if it's not there? And we take a look at what they're actually doing. The other big question is, okay, so it's there. When do I take mm. it? Well, that depends. That's the, the generic answer is it depends. There are so many different strategies, it, depending on if your spouse has worked, if they haven't worked, how old you are, uh, what else you have going for you. And then the other thing is, when do you plan on stopping working? Because if you take Social Security before full retirement age and you're working, you're going to be penalized. You're not going to get your full benefit. Okay, let's take a step back and let's just break this down because I think, yes, the big point here is that it is really, really complicated when it comes to figuring out when to take Social Security. And, and that's particularly true if you're married, if you're widowed, if you're divorced, or if there's a big age discrepancy between you and special your spouse. Needs or a special needs child. Yeah, I was gonna or say. your earnings discrepancy. But the basics are, are this, right? The earliest that you can start taking Social Security is age 62. In most cases, the latest is age 70. So, Jen, is the advice always wait no, nobody has the same advice. It's all personal. No, we have to take a look at where the other money sources are going to come from, how taking Social Security earlier versus later uh, could affect their taxes, because if you have money coming from other sources, uh, up to 85% of your Social Security can become taxable. So we want to take a look at 
what they've done for themselves as far as saving for retirement. Do they have a pension? Uh, a lot of people don't know. Again, living in Sacramento, I have a lot of a lot of clients that are government workers. So these people have pensions that will affect how much Social Security they get. So it really, it's not a one and done. It's not the same for everybody. So putting together the pieces of the puzzle and having somebody like a planner at Edelman Financial Engines, look at what you've been doing on your own and then give you a Social Security strategy that will work hand in hand and complement what you've been doing on your own, not replace, but complement. Um, that's what we do for our clients. So you actually have an opportunity to give us a call, 833-PLAN-EFE. If you call us before Tuesday at 10 p.m., we will do a free retirement review for you. You can also go to planefe.com. Uh, someone will reach out to you and make sure that we are connecting you with someone in your area. If you would like to work with somebody that is not in your area, we can make that happen, too. I actually why, have, I was going to say, yeah. why would someone want to work with somebody who's not in their area? Well, that's a great question. Thank you. Jen. You're welcome, <laughs> Soledad. Uh, I actually have a client that I'm working with right now that lives all the way across the country. The reason she wants to work with me is because she works during business hours and mm. that it's really hard for her to get an appointment with someone on. That's East Coast so time. clever. I like that yeah. idea. Isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So It's amazing to me to see the number of strategies, claiming strategies mm -hmm. that exist for couples. There's, what, like 81 – that's completely overwhelming for couples. And I think if you're a single individual – there's, you know, nine claiming strategies. So that's a lot to have to get through on your own, I think. Absolutely. Especially if you are divorced, uh, you may be entitled to your ex-spouse's uh, benefit. Uh, there are also caveats to claiming your spouse's benefit or half of your spousal benefit. For instance, your spouse needs to be full retirement age. They need to turn their Social Security on. And then as a spouse, you could be entitled to half of their benefit at full retirement age. Of course, if you've claimed yours earlier than full retirement age, it may be reduced. One thing that's really clear is that it's just a part of the picture. Right. It's a very important part of the picture, but it's just a part of the broader financial picture. And so if you'll hang on to all of those permutations, we can dig into them when we come back right after this break. It's not too late to fulfill a New Year's resolution, like making sure you're doing all you can to move your financial life forward. If you'd like a new perspective on building your wealth or protecting your wealth for your family, call Edelman Financial Engines at 833-PLAN-EFE for a free retirement review and financial plan. You'll get a personal financial plan made specifically for your life and needs. The plan alone is an $800 value, yours free. Call 833-PLAN-EFE by Tuesday at 10 p.m. to take advantage of this limited time offer. Welcome back to Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky. I'm Jean Chatsky here on Everyday Wealth, along with Soledad O'Brien. Jen Staben is here from Sacramento. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me. So we were talking about all the different ways to take Social Security, and it can really be dizzying. I mean, 81 different ways to take Social Security if you're a married couple, and so many things 
factor into that your age, your spouse's age, whether your spouse is much older than you or much younger than you, who's the higher earner, who's the lower earner. It gets complicated with all the options, which is one of the reasons that I've always said that when I get close to taking Social Security, I'm going to run a software program. I mean, there are software programs out there that will tell you how to get the most from Social Security exactly when you should take it, exactly when your spouse should take it. And I went into my planner's office and I said, well, I'm going to run a software program. And he said, I have the software. Exactly. Is that what you do for your clients? You basically take all their inputs and then run a software program to help them figure out when they can retire. We absolutely will take all those pieces and do that. And the Social Security piece is a huge piece. And we actually do have the tools and resources to show clients the best time to take it, uh, what would happen if they took it too soon or if they took it later. And oftentimes we find that for clients, taking it later makes a lot of sense while they live off of the portfolio in the beginning of their retirement. So for example, let's say you have someone who comes in and they want to retire early and they want to retire without penalty. Right. Which is hard to do, especially if all you have is your pre-tax retirement accounts. Because if you take a distribution before 59 and a half out of an IRA, you're going to get dinged with a 10% federal tax penalty. And the lovely state of California charges an additional two and a half percent penalty. I like to call that the weather tax. <laughs> but yeah, so it's very important if somebody is under 59 and a half. I mean, there are strategies to work with the retirement accounts, but we want to go to the post-tax money first. So the idea is you come and you talk to somebody well before 59 and a half to make sure that if that truly is your goal, that you have a, a bucket of money to pick from before you dip into your retirement accounts and before so Social Security. Well, because taking Social Security at that age is not even an option. No. But let's say you're a little older. You could take Social Security. In fact, about a third of people take Social Security mm-hmm. at age 62. What would you tell a client who said, well, I'm just going to... I'm just going to take it. It's free money. Right. We're hearing that a lot. People think that they don't take it. There's this conception that they're leaving money on the table. And that's not the case. But the bottom line is that we need to take a look at your personal situation. I keep calling it a puzzle because that's truly what it is. So if somebody wants to take it at, say, 62, we want to go ahead and use the tools and resources that we have to show them if, if it makes sense to really take it that soon or if possibly they could be be supplementing off of their portfolio and delaying Social Security. So then later at 70, they don't have to take anything out of their portfolio, especially if their goal is to leave a legacy and leave wealth behind. And it's just math, really. I mean, if you run the math on this, waiting to take Social Security from age 62 to age 70 can actually increase those benefits by up to 8% a year on average. And that depends on what age you are when you delay. For the math to work out in your favor, basically you have to live to be at least 80 years old. Well, hello, right? Mm -hmm. Most people are living to be 80 years old these days. I know you have a list of questions that 
you run people through in order to just make this decision? Is one of them like, am I healthy enough to number make one. it to 80? Is that right? It's all about your it's health. It's number one. It's Well, it's not just your health. It's longevity in your family. One of the first questions I'll ask somebody when we have this conversation is, uh, you know, are your parents still alive? And at what ages did they pass? Let's talk a little bit about your health. And uh, that will also help us determine if this person thinks they're going to be around for a long time. And if not, then maybe they do want to take it early. It it truly depends. But that is one of the top questions. Also, as we mentioned earlier, is are they taking money out of their retirement accounts? Because if they are, it could cause part of their Social Security to be taxed. Also, does the client have a pension, a government pension? There are are caveats to working around that. Uh, Was the client born, you know, before January 1st, 1954? There there are restricted applications without going too deep into that. do they have a widow benefit? Is the client divorced or, or remarried? There's so many different things that go into claiming strategies. So if you want to discuss Social Security, give us a call here at Edelman Financial Engines, 833-PLAN-EFE or planefe.com. You know, one of the things that we haven't touched on, I think, is the fact that people count too much on Social Security. Not that it won't be there, because I do believe that it will be there, but we think, oh, well, I'll just get Social Security. And the fact is, the more you have, the more you earn, the wealthier you are, the the less a percentage of your pre-retirement income that Social Security is actually going to cover for, right? We know it covers about 40% of the money that people make on average. But if you make more than average, that means Social Security is going to cover less and you really need to ramp up your whole retirement saving strategy. It's just a piece of the puzzle. And I have to imagine that that's a big part of the conversation that you're having with your clients that, you know, Anybody who's coming in just thinking that their puzzle is Social Security needs to sit down with a financial planner, a wealth planner immediately. Yes, they do. And they can. Actually, if they call us before Tuesday at 10 p.m., call 833-PLAN-EFE, we will do a free retirement review for you. Myself, one of my colleagues at Edelman Financial Engines, we are ready. We want to make sure that not only you are doing the best that you can with everything with a dollar sign on it, but that when you are ready to take Social Security, it's really the right time. And we'll help you figure that out. Do you find that people are more worried about retirement before retirement than they are when they are actually in it? Absolutely. And I asked this question. I, I pulled this article. It was very interesting. Interesting. A guy named Meyer Statman writes for something called the Humble Dollar blog that I subscribe to. It's free. It's it's very interesting. But he he wrote that while 54 percent of retirees believe there is a national retirement crisis, just four percent of retirees describe their situation as a crisis. In other words, people are making it work. Jean, there are a lot of myths that clients come to us with. The number one myth that I try to debunk, if you will, is that when somebody retires, they're not invested anymore. So one of the things that people come to us with is that they don't have a long time. It's not long term. 
And so people start getting really anxious when that spigot is about to turn off and all they have is what they have. Right before retirement is when we see the anxiety, mm-hmm. the, the couple of years before. That makes sense to me because mm-hmm. I think it's a big unknown. Mm-hmm. And, I think it, and I think it's different than when you're in it mm-hmm. and you're now making it work. Yeah. What I find with clients is the more money we make, the more we really don't know where our money is going unless we tell it where to go. On that note, for people who are wondering where their money is going, can I just point you to our Finance Fix program at Her Money? We're launching new sessions all the time, and that's what we're doing. We're giving you a deep dive into where your money's going so that then you can give each dollar a job. You can basically decide what you want your money to do for you, but until you make those decisions actively, it just doesn't work. Exactly. And I, I hate the word budget, I have to say. I, I use, But it is a budget. No, no. I use cash flow plan. It's a cash <laughs> flow plan. It just sounds so much nicer. It does when, sound better. When you have, I'll give you that. It right? sounds better. I mean, how would you feel if you came into my office and sat on my couch, Soledad, and I said, okay, we're going to put you on a budget right before you retire. You would run out screaming. No, we're going to do your cash flow plan. We're going to take a look at where you're spending your money now while you're working and make sure that you have enough to continue to do what whatever that is that you're doing in retirement as well, but also give you some extra. I don't want to make it sound like a diet, right? Now, now that you're not working, you've worked so hard all these years. I but, mean, you want to enjoy spending that money. But so the analogies to flow. diet, I think are very accurate, right? I think people also uh, underestimate how many calories they're taking in and overestimate how many calories they're burning and spending. I think it's really analogous. So yes, although you can go on a diet, you can go on a budget, or you can pay attention to your diet. You can pay attention to your cash flow. It right? doesn't have to be restrictive. Exactly. But you do need the information. You need it about Social Security. You need it about special needs kids. And you need it if you're looking for somebody to help you with your finances. So if you're looking for more information, please go to our website. It's everydaywealth.com. You can send us a question. We're happy to tee them up on the air, as you heard earlier. Yeah. And if you missed last week's show, uh, the podcast is available there as well. A big thank you to Jen Staben and Rodney Weaver joining us from Edelman Financial Engines today. Everybody have a great week, and we will see you back here next week. Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky is sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. Tune in each week to hear fresh and compelling insights and strategies to help you elevate your financial potential. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, and find our show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.